Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. like to pour any wool over anyone's eyes so this is a bit of a last minute thing here we had a couple of schedule adjustments but the great man himself Quinton Lynch joins us on back chat for the very first time Lynchy we appreciate you coming in at such short notice mate how are you yeah very well thanks and uh pleasure to be here and uh, yes this could be interesting I think oh I think it could be <laughs> interesting so. too yeah correct yeah for oh, everyone oh, listening oh, let's hope ideally it's not boring <laughs> now the first question Lynchy um I don't give a big spiel about your career because we know you've done a lot of things on the football field played over 200 games for West Coast you're a life member uh you're a premiership player you've been leading goal kicker a couple of times at the footy club. Runner-up best and fairest, but he's done a lot on the football field, Dan. Just a few but things. But the first question we ask our guests every time is, what's your greatest sporting achievement not on the football field? We, we know you've been a great footballer. Yeah, no, that's easy for me. Oh, um, <laughs> Very good. When I was at school, I won ahead of the river, rowing, which is in the uh, PSA over here in WA, and um, that's pretty prestigious, and I still hold that higher than I do winning the football at school at the same time. So really? So, yeah, you were a premiership player as a footy player in year yeah, 12? Yeah, it was undefeated, but uh, when I won ahead of the river, I was only in year 10 rowing with year 11, uh, 12, so I was only young kid in the crew, and, uh, yeah, it was a pretty special moment. You get the awe, don't you? Yeah, they've got a little mini awe to celebrate. And, uh, Not the actual one, though. No. Nah, no, 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 I had to leave that one in the shed. <laughs> thought Aquinas was well off, mate. No, no, oh, no. So, but no, that was a very special day, and no, that was something that I'll never forget. You know, you know, five hundred people swam out to the boat, and they nearly snapped our boat. And you know, back then the boats are worth, well, they're probably worth two hundred grand now. It was about a hundred thousand dollar boat, and end up uh, they never could race it again because they bent it like a banana. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Everyone swam jumped in the, the river, and, yeah, and, the, and the boat filled up with water, and the rowing boats had air pockets at either end, so they. Ballast, yeah. uh, and so that yeah, end up stretching it and end up being, having a bowl in it. And they could never race it again. <laughs> no wonder they didn't give you the oar, mate. Yeah. You ruined their boat. Uh, so, no, that was amazing. That was amazing. Head uh, of the river. Yeah. So that was at Aquinas. Yes, you're a boarder there. Yep. Grew up in the country. Yep. Um, what was your time like uh, as a kid growing up in the country and then moving boarding school to, to you know such a big school, a big city boy? Yeah. Look, I um, loved. 
growing up on the farm, I thought that gave me a great grounding in life. Um, you know, I loved being on the farm, loved being out, you know, driving around whenever I wanted to. And but the opportunity to, for high school, uh, look, I was one of six kids, and I was probably, you know, as my sisters say, they were probably the blessed one because they, mum and dad actually asked me um, if I wanted to go away in year se- se- or eight back then boarding school, where all my sisters only got to go in year eleven because we weren't uh, flush with money. Um, but obviously footy was a bit of a dream and sport was a big thing in my life and uh, mum and dad gave me an opportunity and I grabbed it with both hands and obviously went away to boarding school at Aquinas and, uh, you know, they were probably five of the best years of my life on a ball. So um, got away with a lot that wouldn't have if I was living under mum and dad's roof, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, boarding school was great to me and, uh, yeah, just went on from there. You uh, were captain of the footy side. Uh Daniel Kerr playing that one with you? Yeah, we did. We were a pretty amazing side. Daniel Kerr was in the team and uh, you know, a heap of blokes that played a lot of waffle footy. David Crawford played five grand, grand finals with Claremont and yep. uh, Matty Gordon, a good mate of mine, played just under 200 games for West Perth in a premiership. Any other AFL players? Um, was there? Not, I don't, I don't not, know the answer. Not to remember. No, not, I don't think there was. No. But you went undefeated that year? Yeah, easily. Yeah, Really? Yeah, we were we on cruise control pretty much. And so uh, you have a good year, year twelve. Uh, was that the year that you went all Australian as a as a backman, as a centre half backman? Was for yeah, under 18s. Um, was it that year? That might have been the year after when I left school. So you had a year between school and getting drafted. Yeah, had, had a year at West Perth, and um, yeah, uh, yes. And then so I was all Australian that year. So you're all Australian as a backman. I yeah. might add, I'm back chat here, Dan. Mm. People think he was the big goal kicking forward, but this man is a backman. Yeah, so I grew up. Well, yeah, I, yeah, played. All, I played all my footy as junior, really as a forward ruck, and then went to um, West Perth and played centre half back. And uh, I know I liked him for a reason. And then <laughs> yeah, played at under 18s as was all Australian centre half back, and yeah, was the only all Australian not drafted. Actually. I was going to say what was draft day like because you don't get drafted. No, and no, I was uh, I was on far, at the farm with the old, the old man actually harvesting, and Heath. He was pretty keen to listen to it, so he went inside and listened on the radio and he said, you come coming? I said, no, I know I'm not going to get drafted, so I stayed here and stayed and kept harvesting and got in my car the next morning. Why do you think you, you Oh, I just knew drafted? the interest was not there. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty, you, you can get a pretty good feel of why? it. Uh, why? Well, you're a pretty honest bloke. Well, why, why, why? Choco Williams thought I was fat and overweight, so <laughs> that's what he told me at draft camp anyway. <laughs> so that that was probably what, one uh, thing. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. You can yeah, just had a feel and... Um, you know, the Eagles rang me before the draft day and said, look, uh, we're not going to draft you. I said, yeah, I didn't think you would. Thanks uh, for the call. <laughs> thanks, Woody. Uh, <laughs> um, but he said, if you don't get drafted, which you probably think you might not, um, can you come train with us uh, next week? Start, and that was when you had train on. So they do a bit now for the rookie list. And um, So, yeah, finished my harvest day on Saturday. The draft was on Saturday morning and packed my Kingswood up and come back to Perth. Did you? Driving the Kingswood. How yeah. bloody good. Elite. So you rock up at West Coast and you've got, you're effectively doing a pre-season uncontracted. You're not a rookie. Yeah, so got there, well, sort of late last week of November probably. Yeah. Um, and then trained right through to Christmas. And Is there any promises that will look to rookie you or it's pretty much just... No, nah, it was five, four other blokes there with me trying out for the same spot. Um, yep. You know, I mentioned David Crawford. He was one of them trying out with me, one of my good mates from school. Um, no, no promises and, yeah, just had to put my best foot forward and see what happened. Were you, were you doing anything else at the time? Was it just your fi- full focus on training, getting into the squad? Uh, no, nah, by then I'd sort of, I'd played a whole year in the waffle then. Um, and uh, 
yeah, sort of in and out of the league side at West Perth, and I had a part. Obviously, had a part. I had a job. I did all sorts of jobs in that first year at school. But I remember I played in a prelim final for the reserves that year in two thousand and one for West Perth, and I told my boss at work that if I lose this prelim on Monday on Sunday, I'm not coming back to work on Monday. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, you will." I said, "No, no, I'm not, mate." I was in a, I was cutting scrap metal in a, in a scrap metal yard in, with an oxy, and it was the worst job in the world. <laughs> uh, and I, we lost the prelim. Uh, didn't go back to work and went straight back to the farm. Then I spent three months down there with the old man. So, yeah, <laughs> true to I, your word. I was true to my word. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was the worst job that I've ever done by a long shot. Oh, that's great. So, okay, so you do get a rookie spot though. So that five or six weeks at the club, you do get a rookie spot, and you play games in your first year. Yeah. So well, back then, you know, rookies couldn't play, but you had to get elevated. So, so two thousand two was my first season at the club. Um, couldn't play for the first half of the year, and then. Uh, was lined up to play centre half back for the state side for WA. This is for the, for the in the waffle so still state a back, side. Still a backman. Yeah, Good. and um, got my jumper. Sort of did the media promos with um, Big Emu Turnbull still playing back then. So me and him were sort of really? fronting the media about the uh, game against South Australia, which I was you know really looking forward to um, as a nineteen or was it, yeah nineteen going on twenty I think twenty year old by then. Uh, and then yeah the Tuesday of that week before the game, we just said oh. Give your state jumper back. You're coming to coming to uh, Melbourne with us. Were you, ha- oh. were you happy? Yeah, oh, yeah, I was. I would have liked to keep my state jumper. But <laughs> that actually made me give it back. The waffle, but uh, <laughs> no, or no state jumper. Yeah. Yeah, so they had to reshuffle the deck, and I went. Um, yeah, went over and played my first game against Carlton as as a full forward. So I played two seasons and half back at West Perth, and yeah, got put in the side as a full forward. So that was interesting. Give it to him. What clubs are you in? Well, oh, you are. You're in the first. Uh, debut, first kick, first goal club. Yeah, correct. Yep, yep. It's, still it's a prestigious club, that. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, yeah, what what happened? Cool. You remember your first kick? Yeah, well, I've seen a few replays, so I remember it now. <laughs> yeah, I was playing a Luke Livingston at the time, one of Joshy Kennedy's good yep. mates, actually. Um, and yeah, just stole the ball out from underneath him and slotted one on the run from about 45 ish. Yeah. 60. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say it's probably helpful not having like a set shot as your first kick for first goal. Like when it's on the run, you sort of let it fly a bit. Might have helped a lot through my whole career at some stages too. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you stay as a full forward? Like I feel like a lot of that early part of your career, you're back, you're forward. Yeah, so that year I played full forward for the rest of the season until I got dropped for around 22. Um, played down uh, the Kangaroos down in Monica, uh, and then got brought back in for the final the following week because Coxie got injured in the final game of the year. Yes. Um, but then the next year, uh, then I trained. But then that's next summer I trained all year as a as a um that, that was thirty two. Then I trained all year as a backman. Didn't get a game all two thousand three. Not uh, one. No. Nah, played centre half forward at uh, West Perth. Won a flag. Yes, won a flag in 03 so I played centre-half forward that year, the whole year at West Perth, and then trained at the centre-half back all 2004 in the pre-season before 2004 and then played the first 20 rounds of 2004 as a backman. So I was, yeah, it was all depending on where I was playing, what, you know, what club I was playing at. Yeah, you've always played with good key position players though, right? Like you've always had great backmen around you, great yeah. forwards, competing for spots with... Yeah, and I look, I think that year in 2004 when I played, I think 17, maybe 17 rounds as a centre-half back, I played on like the old school, some of the old school good centre-half forwards and it was probably a really good learning curve for me. So, Like who? Uh, who some of the guys? Yeah, I got to play on Kerry when he was at Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, Scotty Lucas from Essendon, Tread Ray, uh, 
Jonathan Brown was still in his prime back then. Um, he, that was the first game I ever played at centre back, and that was a learning curve. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on Jonathan Brown. Well, I, he ran me into the into the ground, and it was about the, half through the last quarter. I literally was I had nothing left, and he was still chugging around. And you were you're a fit guy. People don't know that much about Jonathan Brown. He was a fit player. Oh, he's an amazing, amazing athlete. So yeah, and that you know, that, look, playing all of those sort of blokes, you know, taught you a fair bit, and was pretty cool. So you played every game that year. What did you get dropped for? Uh, yeah, I did have one week. I've had a bit of a rest week in the middle of the year <laughs> when I got uh, done for my infamous drink driving um, charge. So, Is it long enough gone that you can have a laugh about it? I mean, it's 20 years ago, clearly yeah. a big mistake by a young man. Yeah, it's probably long enough and hopefully the kids aren't listening to this podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> and if they are? No, I think, I think I've think i had it. I think I've told them about it. Um, obviously, yeah, got done for DD and um, was driving around on my home and had I had a mate in the U... Who, Probably should have been driving, but he had a broken leg, so we sort of didn't think he should be driving. And then, you know, we got pulled over. It was late, and I took off because I didn't. I told him, mate, I can't afford to get caught for this. Is that because but, uh, you were scared of what would happen? Yeah, hundred percent. I thought we should rip my head off, which he, <laughs> which he pretty much did. Between him and Nizzy, they both had a good go. On it. Um, but uh, yeah, then I ran and tried to hide behind a tree that was way too small. And, <laughs> And uh, they caught up with me and, yeah, they give me a fair hiding, the coppers. Uh, Did they? They didn't like running, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, but then, I, yeah, I was lucky I did stop because I went back to my ute and there's my mate wrapped around my roll bar with handcuffs on and they weren't letting him go anywhere, anywhere fast, so uh, I had to get him out of the, out of the sticky situation. <laughs> I, I just have a visual of, uh, you know, Lynchy running away from the cops and then just someone's front yard, Quint, like Lynchy's shoulders and hands coming out <laughs> one side of the tree, legs and feet out the other and a torch on you going, Quinton, we can see you. Is that pretty much how it happened? Yeah, pretty much. And then, yeah, then they just... They did lay the boots in, but so it was, yeah, it was oh, interesting times. Fair enough. Again, yeah. I know you're an honest man. I mean, you were, you were in the wrong there, right? That's oh, right. Well, I would have thought so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, thing I blew into definitely told me that. Don't worry. Okay, so 2005 comes around. You have another good year. You're as a full-time forward now, back as a forward. You play every game in that season. You play the qualifying final against Sydney. Yep. You win. Yep. And you get dropped. You get dropped yeah. coming into a prelim. Yeah, dropped the prelim. Um, yeah, another life lesson. Look, at, you know, and I don't ever, don't ever um, whinge about anything or, or give excuses. But I did. I carried pubis, osteitis pubis, through pretty much the whole season. Sort of by halfway through the year, I was, you know, battling to get through games. Really, uh, by the time half what time come, I was, you know, it was after that was battling to walk. So, yeah, right. um, it probably really dented my form back into the season. Got dropped for the prelim. I, Probably I freshened up enough. I reckon I definitely could have got a game out in the grand final. I was still in emergency, um, and you know didn't find out I wasn't playing till about oh, eight o'clock, eight thirty the night before the grandy. Um, really? I was still throwing up between Travis Gasper and obviously Gardy. They both ended up playing, and Jamie Graham I think was playing that year. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, that was pretty disappointing. Um, very disappointing, but also gave me a spur to get fit and uh, get my groin right and start again. What was it like watching that game at the ground in 05? Uh, to be honest, I had, I had a couple of beers just to take the edge off. Yeah, it was pretty hard to watch. Um, yeah, probably the harder thing was I went and warmed up on the ground and uh, with the team before the game. And my mum and dad are obviously flying over because they didn't know if I was playing or not, and they did, they came anyway. Uh, and then obviously I warmed up with the team, so mum thought I was playing, and then you know we didn't really have mobile phones back then, or well, they didn't work under the change rooms or whatever. But um, then I came back up in the stands, and she that was the first time she found out I actually wasn't playing. So I hadn't right. told her anything. So she was pretty distraught. So that was pretty hard, but um, it was Just hard because she'd watch. seen you warm up. 
up. Yeah, and she just thinks thought I was playing. Mm. So yeah, so that was that was probably the hardest part about the day. But and then obviously watching the boys go down to you know Sydney by a point um, was pretty pretty nail biting. You um, you're around that period. You had scrutiny around your marking, and um, you know. If, that probably makes sense, a defender going to the forward line, <laughs> not, not quite knowing what you're doing around goals. But, yeah, yeah, yeah from my memory, because I got drafted at the end of 06 and 07, and I, I have memories of scrutiny. Like, you know, um, you, mu- you mu- had issues with your marking, but you don't play in that 2005 grand final. Looking at your career from a statistical point of view, that must have spurred you up. That must have been a driving factor for you. Oh, having missed out on that, hundred percent missing out on any grand final when you're that close. Like if you think you're way off the mark, yeah, but when you think you should be out there, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely spurred me on and um, yeah, made me you know try and do everything in my power to make sure I never missed another one. So 2006, you lead your leading goal kicker, kicks 65 goals. You do that again in 2007, and 2006 clearly a big year in your career, playing a grand final and a premiership player. What are your what are your reflections on two thousand and six after missing out on two thousand five? Yeah, I look back on the year. Was, I had a pretty slow start of the year to tell the truth. Two thousand and six, and um, went away to you know, mid season trips are a bit frowned upon these days after Jordan's <laughs> efforts in Bali. But we used to go to Broome every year for the exact same thing, just to get you know relax and let your hair down and get some sun. And um, we did that, and uh, I had a good time up there with a few of the boys, and came back and really fired my back into my year up and. Came home in the wet sail and kicks a lot of goals in the second half of that year and um, took some really good form into the finals and you know kicked some goals in the finals too. So um, that's yeah, that was probably one thing I remember about the year a lot is just yeah, the back sort of ten games into the finals are you know, pretty solid. Well, you're on edge like because of what happened the year before. You played every game, you get dropped after a qualifying final. Did you have that in your back of your mind? No, I was in way better form going into the finals than following you. I was in, you know, I'd, I'd had a very good, you know, pretty good year really. So I didn't think that was an issue to tell the truth. And then what about grand final day? Like, how does it how does it differ given that again? You, what you endured the year before yeah, and yeah well we're probably lucky that everyone you know we'd all done it before now um you know in 2005 the same sort of group had gone through the parade done everything else so it was a bit of a you know there was a lot less um anx- yeah anxiousness or hype whatever you want to call it in the playing group i think we were all pretty relaxed and we knew what the you know we were there for and we knew what game we'll going to put on the paddock and we knew our opposition inside out so uh, it was going to be a you know an arm wrestle to the to the death and it always was at that time in that period with them um didn't matter how far in front you got it seemed to always get squared up and uh it played out to script and we're on the right end of the ledger this time did you play well Look, I did oh, three. Yeah, I did kick three, and I have actually finally looked at a bit of the game in the last, only in the recent years. I've had look, probably the last twelve months. I actually, but no, I was pretty ordinary actually. I didn't do a hell of a lot, but uh, <laughs> kicking three, three goals, kicking some crucial goals. But uh, kick my, the one I kicked in the third quarter was pretty pretty solid. The boundary, if yeah, you see out. and that was a probably time a, of the game. Yeah, settle us for the team. But other than that, yeah, I was yeah, it wasn't the greatest impact on the game. But what was it like playing with Curry? Like you went through your whole schooling you know, life with him and then you, you're playing at West Coast with him, a good mate of yours. Was there a connection between you two? Because Curry kicked you that ball. Yeah, mate. no, definitely. We, you know, we, we had a pretty special connection on the footy field, played a lot of footy together, a lot of footy. And it was out of our whole my whole career, it was only sort of one year between uh, 1996 and when I left to Collingwood in 2012 that we didn't play together, which is the year I was at West Perth. Uh, after yeah, school, right. my first year out of school. So, um, yeah, you know, he, he'd do everything in his power to get me the ball when he could. And, uh, <laughs> mate, um, yeah, but I just knew how he played. I knew his game inside out. And he was a pretty special footballer. A lot of people, you know, we had some amazing players around that time. But if you 
if you actually wound back some of the talent that that bloke had, it was f- frightening. Yes. Um, you 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 won the grand final. I don't know if you remember this. You interviewed after the grand <laughs> yeah, final. <laughs> yeah, I just definitely remember it, mate. I didn't. I didn't know I'd done it. I know you. I know that dropping the f bomb on the uh, on TV. <laughs> Uh, I actually didn't even realise I'd done it. I think you dropped three of them. No, nah, I was only one. Come on. No, it was two. two was it, it was two? two. <laughs> well, I didn't know how much of a controversy it caused until I probably came got a little bit of uh, consciousness back about Wednesday and I heard it was like rife in the media. I'm like, what are they going on about? Anyway, I sort of went back and sort of saw what happened. I was like, oh, no, I'm making a bit of a man out of molehill. But uh, yeah, it did stir a bit of a bit of a... Who ha in the media, I suppose. Uh, you talking about? Uh, well, yeah. I was going to say, Channel, because uh, I was reading about it just before, and like, you know, there were people outraged about it. You know, West Coast have explaining to do and stuff like that. And then Channel 10, just their statement was something like, it's a live event. We can't control what comes out. That, that it's also that. like human, I would have thought. I wouldn't think there'd be many people, especially listening to this show, that haven't heard an F bomb in their life. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you wouldn't have thought so. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think I think Brawny helped me out a bit too because I reckon he dropped one as well. <laughs> well, that's right. I mean, you're bloody excited. The yeah. best thing that ever happened to you as, yeah. a, as a football and probably as a as a man. I don't know. Like oh, well, of course, it's the most most exciting day of your life by far. So, um, yeah, probably still is. Even if yeah, and I'm married and got four three kids. So, <laughs> <laughs> hello kids, hello wife. Uh, it, talking about uh, not controversial moments, but uh, things that happened after the grand final. I remember there was a big furore about. Uh, not giving the kids the hats. Yeah. Did you give them the hat or not? Nah. Uh, my, my, my little fella, um, I've got a picture on my wall at home with my jumper frame and it's me after I get my medal and my arms up. <laughs> Every time my little fella looks at it, he goes, you got in trouble for not giving that kid your hat, Dad. Because <laughs> you're wearing, are you wearing the hat? Oh, I think so. He, he reminds me every time because so he knows the story did, about that. Did someone just not t- well, nah, not well, say anything? Like, it mustn't have been told. No, we the amount of blokes that didn't give them. I think we gave them the hats. We just didn't shake their hands or something. It was something. Yeah. It was it was ridiculous at the time, you know. And they obviously made a massive thing about it. And then obviously from then on, everyone looks like saints in the following twenty years of premierships, don't they? <laughs> yeah. they don't they get, don't be the two thousand six yeah, Eagles. Yeah, don't you know? They get schooled before they go out there. Like at the time, no, I don't think they'd ever done it before or something. But it was yeah, it was ridiculous, really, when you think about it. I don't remember many things about the finish of the grand final, but one memory I have is there was a couple of people running around, make sure you give the kid their hat and shake their <laughs> hand. Like, not well done, you won the premiership. Yeah. Make sure you give them the hat and shake their hand. Yeah, it's like, well, okay, okay. Yeah, so. I think there was one in 2018 that didn't, and he ran back. Masto. So Masto was one of the blokes sprinting around going, no, don't, don't do the hat, don't, do, don't miss the hat, don't miss the hat. Oh, then right. he forgot. <laughs> Does that surprise you? No. Oh, that's quite funny. I actually had to have a double take watching the game on Friday night against Essendon and he's the runner. I was like, what the? Vasto's <laughs> out there running at the moment. Have you, you'd be able to do that, surely. You've been, you've been running around for... Oh, I could have. Yeah, I could have. Well, not at the moment. I've just bowled a disc in my back, so I'm battling to do a bit of running at the moment. But um, yeah, it was quite funny. He was, uh, he was trotting around out there. One memory I had of you was recovery, Dan. So recovery day... Sunday, Monday, whatever the day, you know, the day after the game, you'd come in and there was a there was a park called Kitchener Park at Subiaco Oval, and um, our, either Stu Cormack or Warren Cofed would say, "All right, boys, go do a couple of laps around Kitchener Park," and eighty percent of the group would walk. It was optional if you wanted to run, you could run. Eighty percent would walk, uh, walk two laps. Another ten percent would walk, maybe one jog, another. Yep. Quinton Lynch for my entire career was. Would start at a jog, 
and by the end of it would be effectively sprinting down the hill at Kitchener Park. <laughs> that was my fault. That was Rowan Jones's fault because I used to do it with him all the time and he he loved his running too. And so, yeah, it just became a bit of a thing where we just used to, yeah. I guess out, the quicker you do hard. it, though. Yeah, get it out of the way. Yeah. But I, I just, like, I, I couldn't even couldn't even get out of a walk and Lynchy was running stride. So yeah. what do you put that down to? Oh, I was always just a big believer in getting moving again. So, and you know, as you said, like when I started my career, I wasn't much of a runner, but I really worked my, that side of my game really hard and fitness. And I just saw it as an opportunity if I was, if I was, you know, cork free or wasn't too sore to, you know, put a few extra miles in my legs. So that was sort of the, that was sort of where it came from. Do you have any big, um, you know, you played in some grand final, a grand final. You played in some other big finals. Do you have memories about big games you played in or? Or derby memories, or big incidents that you're a part of as a player. That's yeah, it's a couple. One, uh, one's in a derby for all the wrong reasons. It's, um, I was playing on our centre back player Luke McFarlane, who I'd already had history against from back in the school days when he towed me up once in BSA <laughs> footy, and, uh, and someone decided to lob a ball on top of my head. And um, no, actually, no, I might have been playing centre forward. He was playing centre back. Yeah. And some one of the, my boys, our boys, decided to lob a ball on my head, and I couldn't get to it. But Luke could, and he stood on my shoulders, like <laughs> taking a candy moment. So that, I remember that one; that that really hurt. Um, Ember spoke about a bit, bit about that. Ember's is on some of the greatest marks. He's underneath right. some of the greatest marks you'll ever see. Yeah. Walker, Howe, Sampy. Good, good step ladder, Ember's. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, things like that, and. Um, I've got a pretty good memory when I played for Collingwood and I played my second game there. It was a Carlton-Collingwood game. And obviously, we talk about derbies over here in the West, Eagles, Dockers, and how, and how parochial the crowds are. But yeah, I played in the, the Carlton-Collingwood derby, or whatever you want to call it over there. And well, that was a, that was a pretty amazing. Collingwood got in the front about 10 minutes in the last quarter. And that's, I've never heard of footy ground, even playing in ground that grand final, uh, erupt like that. It was really? crazy, crazy time. So that was pretty cool. Well, let's talk about that part of your career. So 2012, the end of 2012, free agency comes in. Unrestricted free agent you were at the time. Um, how do you reflect back on that? Because you leave West Coast. So I think there was an offer. I think there was a deal on the table, a one-year deal. Yeah. Um, you, you know, f- you chose to forego that and, and head to Collingwood, which I mean, you know, a massive rival of West Coast. Yeah. Does that come in? You know, what, how did that all play out? Yeah, that was um, interesting times, and you know, it's pretty stressful back then. Really, I was out a young family, and you know, obviously West Coast had put a deal on the table. It was. I thought they were lowballing me. Um, I still believe they were. <laughs> <laughs> so, and obviously, uh, I had some interest from over east, and Collingwood showed some pretty pretty good interest. And um, my co- manager was able to get a deal done. And you know, I was, think I was pretty much the first free agent signed. Yep. Because um, that was the first year it came in. Yep. So, um, yeah, and that was uh, exciting. You know, you know, it was a big move for us moving across the country. Uh, the young family, but you know, Collingwood you know, welcomed us with open arms, and um, yeah, I had some good times over there. I really enjoyed my time at Collingwood. Footy didn't go as well as I'm hoping. Um, you know, I had a pretty solid start to the, my first season there. I tapered off a bit. I probably burnt out a bit in my first year there, to tell the truth. I probably put a heap, way too much pressure on myself at the age of 31 or 30, whatever it was. I was training way too much. Uh, probably at the time of my career when I need to tape my training down and just concentrate on the games, but I was trying to sort out to prove a point and. Probably trained a bit too hard and probably got a bit burnt out in the back end of the year. And uh, my second year there, I, I you know had a good preseason, but sort of missed the first round. And then I uh, was playing reserves and broke my leg, and that pretty much finished me off then. So uh, like a like a visible break, or was like a crack uh, or like yeah, no crack or tibia. So the the little bone, I think it's a little one down the bottom, but um, yeah, cracked it real high, pretty bad spiral fracture, and then. 
uh, decided to get an operation done on it to get it plated, try and get back quicker. Yep. But um, that just went a bit pear-shaped. They had to rip my calf off from my bone a bit and then stirred up some nerve damage and ended up being 13 weeks in the end. So, uh, just, just, just quietly <laughs> ripped the calf off the bone. Oh, because it was – that. The surgeon, well, I probably shouldn't have done. Usually, when you break them, if it's sort of mid bone, they can plate them pretty easily. But this one was high, so they had to get in and they really stirred up my, the main nerve run down my leg. Right. And I had a lot of trouble with it and uh, couldn't get back running like I should have. And I ended up getting back, um, played about four or five, or four games of, of VFL, but, you know, pretty heavily medicated to get out there. I uh, just wanted to make sure I finished my career playing. So. Yeah. Just, um, just having a look. So 2012, Buckley's first season yeah, as coach. coach yep. Yeah, what was that like, having him sort of jump in? Yeah, it was obviously, obviously I knew no different. So, um, yeah, no, he was good. He was, um, yeah, he's, he's he grew a lot as a coach while I was there and even once I left. But, um, you know, he was um, learning the caper a little bit. So, no, he was he was good to work under. Um, you know, he ever worked under the two coaches, him and Wusher. So uh, there wasn't much else to compare to. You know, Wush was, you know, great as well. So, uh, but no. He went on to have a good good stint there at Collingwood, 10 years in the end. The process when you left West Coast, was there a stage where you know they had an opportunity to come back and keep you at the club? Yeah, they could have matched the offer. Yeah. yeah yep, definitely. They, they had the chance and um, obviously that was probably what would have been my wish to finish my career off there. If, you know, Obviously the opportunity was great to go, but they weren't willing to budge and you know, Wusha virtually told me there was blokes that are going to play before me. And so uh, in hindsight, those blokes never played another game really. So... Um, but you know that's all hindsight now. It's yeah, water under the bridge. And hindsight, you know, you 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 go to Collingwood. Speaking to you beforehand, you had a great time there. Like yeah, you, you oh, learn like, a lot. We, like, we would have stayed in Melbourne if yeah. had we not had our business back here in Perth with my in-laws. Uh, we definitely would have stayed in Melbourne for a couple of years. It was yeah, it's an awesome place. We had a great time, made great friends, and um, yeah, heading back then this year for a wedding actually. So. Um, yeah, disappointing how it turns out, but in hindsight, I mean, it's a part of the journey. Is yeah, that how you feel? Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. Not for the world. Um, you know, met another great bunch of mates. Met a, you know, part of another great footy club, and and always welcome there whenever I want if I go over there and stuff. So yeah, I don't regret it for one minute, and uh, we've had an awesome time there. West Coast and Collingwood are viewed commonly as the most, you know, the powerhouses of the AFL. Yeah. Did you feel that? Did you feel they were just two really big clubs? Was there differences? Yeah, there were differences. They, were, they are two big clubs. The, dif- the only di- the difference, and I've always said it, is uh, Collingwood felt a little bit more like a footy club, whereas the Eagles could be a bit more businessy, whereas they still had some real old school traditions at Collingwood. Um, so yeah, that was probably the only difference. But as as you know, big clubs go, they were both big, and you know everything that you know as we're, everyone's seeing it presently, anything that happens at Collingwood's big news, and same as here in the West, anything the Eagles do is. Big news. Do you think that's because of the bad. history Collingwood have as a footy club? Because I would agree with you. Not that I've played another AFL club, but played with Peel in my first year out. And even though it's Peel who has the Frio alignment, there was a lot of football club elements that I'd kind of missed for 14 years, right, at West Coast. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, we had success and I love the footy club and all that, but just an observation, I would agree with you. Do you, do you think that's because of the history like the Collingwood had? Like yeah. West Coast is a new club. Yeah, yeah. Effectively, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, but yeah, just um, yeah, just old school footy sort of footy mentality is sort of um, yeah, it's probably what they had the boot stutter. They had the boot stutter yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah we never so had that at West Coast. No, we always had a bloke only looked after your boots. He'd come in every training session, just chuck them in the box, and you'd clean them all up and polish them and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And the, all the old supporters used to come in and make all the food for you. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, great. You um, you mentioned <coughs> excuse me, sorry, your in laws. 
business that you're a part of. Yeah. That was the was that the clothing. Yeah, the clothing, clothing store. store. So yeah. yeah, we've still got that. So my wife runs it with her mum pretty much now. Um, her dad still floats around, but it's only like used to be men's and ladies' clothes. Only ladies now. Um, so, but no, that's been in their family for. Look, they were going to close it in about 2010, and uh, and I sort of stood stepped in and said, no, I don't think we should let this go to the family. Um, you know, her my wife's grandfather started in 1955, so it's got a tradition. Wow. Um, Although he it, when he had it was a you know everything it was like a little mini Myers really you could get everything in there, um, but we yeah still going well still you know great business now and you know my wife's doing a good job in there. Do you ever get in there and you know help match people's clothes? Up? <laughs> I was going to say no men's clothes. He doesn't have to be the mannequin anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. no right. I, uh, Can I help you, sir? Foot fitting some jackets on people. Uh, I used to do a little bit in there back in the day when the men's there were they were really stuck. But um, no, nah, I'll steer clear of it now. I still look after a bit of the bookwork side of things, but um, you make sure everyone gets paid. But other than that, uh, I'll leave it up. Yeah, the women's fashion. Fashion ever been your strong point, Lynchy? No, no. Nah, nah, still, actually, it was funny you say that. I was actually my wife was out shopping today, and I made her buy me some business shirts. So I'm, I'm still not that keen. <laughs> Shopping to the truth, mate. <laughs> Same as me, mate. <laughs> You're spot on. Now, okay, so a lot of people, you, 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 I don't know if you turned yourself into it or you got turned into it or how it happened. But you're a cult figure at West Coast, and it was around your goal kicking. You, you, you had the biggest leg I've ever seen in my life. Your hamstrings are bigger than my torso, but it was around the glove for a certain period of time. Got to ask you about it because I know a little bit more about it than other people don't. I.e., you bought it from Bunnings, <laughs> the, the the one that was approved there in the end. Yeah. How did it start? And and uh, and I want start? you to I want you to show you our, our listeners why yeah. you wore it. Um, well, you're I gonna was, like I was this, Dan. Wearing gloves before I came to the club. My first year at West Perth, I used to wear a glove a bit um, outside before I got to the Eagles. Why? And then, uh, I don't know. Someone just let give me a pair once, and I tried them. And I sort of liked it, and then um, and then obviously got to the club and was wearing them. And then these ironclad ones come on, on board and obviously they obviously saw me, one of the blokes, Damien, right, who I've known for a while, obviously saw me wearing gloves and, and they just sent a box full of them into the club, these ones to try. And I was like, oh, I'll give them a crack. And back then there was no regulations on them, uh, on the gloves in the AFL. Uh, and, yeah, these gloves are good. I was like, yeah, no, I like these ones. So uh, <laughs> I, I ran with them and, um, yeah, they were just – they were called box handlers, they were the glove, ironclad box handlers, and they were – very commonly available at Bunnings and still are. Um, <laughs> so, and then and I sort of struck up a bit of relationship with him and this other bloke, Steve Goodhue, that sort of wholesaled them. And um, yeah, they just sent me them whenever I wanted them. And just they'd say, You need any more? I said, Yep, give me some more. And uh, I used to wear probably two or three a game, like because a bit like cricketers take them off when they got wet. So I'd take Did them you? off on at half time and get a new one. And yeah, right. Um, yeah, and that sort of became a thing. And then obviously my, I really stuffed up one of my fingers and started wearing it on my right hand. So that's the reason I took it off was because it was on my right hand, which is my kicking hand, drop ball drop hand, and it used to affect my ball drop. So I'd take it off for kick goals, and that was the, that, you know, so I could get, you know, have a bit better feel on the ball kicking goals. But um, in general play, it sort of didn't worry me too much. But in that, you know, close skill of kicking goals, it sort of it seemed to, I, I had a chance to take it off, so I took it off. You used to. Th- you used to throw it at stages. Oh, I used to flick it behind me just to get it out of the way because I didn't want to tuck it into my shorts. And then uh, a couple of times, a couple of opposition players picked it up and threw it over the fence. So then I started <laughs> giving it to trainers. So, um, yeah, I didn't like tucking it in my shorts for some reason. It's just, you know, just some of those stupid little things you do. And uh, Yeah, but... Ian, Ian Smith, I reckon, used to love coming and getting yeah, the club well, off you. They, by the time... Jim? By the time they... Um, a few of the trainers, once they saw me have a shot, they'd come close and, and get, grab it off me. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, what, the rest of my career. Then I had to get it approved to the back end of my career when the AFL started bringing on the regulations about gloves. Cause because Travis Cloak. 
Yeah, well, me and Cloakie had a – we tried out these gloves that come from America, these Nike ones. Now, they are gridiron gloves, NFL ones, and they were next level. Like, you literally use like Spider-Man. So, <laughs> <laughs> I could see why they were trying to ban them. They were, you, you couldn't drop it? No, nah, no, nah, mate. You see those blokes in the NFL catching one hand as like four metres behind their head. It's These gloves are out of control. They were sticky, sticky, like glue. So, um. Yeah, it was. You nearly couldn't kick with them on because it, the ball would not get stuck on it. It was crazy. <laughs> so, but uh, I got mine approved for the last couple of years of my career. Just the box handlers. It, yeah, just so I could um, yeah keep my finger in check. So, yeah. Can we have a look at the finger, please? Right. So put it up yeah. to um, put it up to that camera there. Yeah, it's it, not quite going at the right direction. Nah, it's Dan. Yeah. You like look so. at that one. I don't like the look of it. I don't like the knuckle. No, well, that's that's how the knuckle runs now. So that's I've had X-rays done. It's sort of just all gone to one side. So it's um, it doesn't hurt anymore. Look, used to hurt a lot when I was playing footy because I was always catching footies. Um, you used to strap them up, didn't you? No, well, that's <laughs> why I had the gloves. So I had the gloves so I could web the last two thing because I can't get it close enough to strap up. It pops underneath. And then it just becomes <laughs> oh. a bit of a pain. So oh. so I used to have it, but just have that bit webbed so it couldn't get any further out because it can go a fairly long way. I, I was having a look earlier at uh, a video you talking about it and saying how it was either like get it cut off or wear a glove. Yeah, yeah so, so, so Chicky cut his off. And yeah, Chicky did his ring finger. So, but I was, you know, I've got a friend that's old man who's a hand surgeon, and he said, "No, nah, you can't cut it off because, lo and behold, all your grip strength and all your signals to your brain come from your thumb, then go to your little finger. So, if you cut your little finger off, you've actually got to retrain your whole hand, and so your ring finger becomes your next." Wow. Yeah, so it's not it's not just as plain grabbing as anything, grabbing yeah, beer, yeah, grabbing yeah, whatever. So it's not yeah, it's all about your motor new motor skills. So right, it's not as easy as just getting the axe out and lopping it off. Which I was, you know, one stage I was seriously considering because it was so sore. Right, it used to hurt so. D- much. Did you used to know the crowd used to? Be cheering more for the glove coming off yeah. than the goal. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear it? And no, oh, look, I did. It did hear it. It was yeah, it's good. Good for them. It was you know became a big thing for the crowd. But in the, in the end, I was, you know I got pretty used to it. But uh, whatever makes them happy, mate. You did know you, what it's like. Did you ham it up? Make it a bit more dramatic. Like, no, you know, like, no, no. Wait a bit longer sometimes. Mate, no bigger problems to worry about <laughs> hamming it up. Trust me, like trying to kick straight. <laughs> <laughs> you were a backman though. Do remember that? I think you kicked well for a backman. Um, what about a couple of? Uh, I mean, everyone's got to make ends meet while they're playing the AFL, Dan. And Lynchy at one stage was the poster boy for SGIO and a couple of ads, a couple of viral ads. You've stitched me up now. Oh, I have not. But you, know, you stitched yourself <laughs> you up. Oh, they stitched me up that first year and I had that catch line. Um, what? No, it doesn't. Well, you can repeat Tell it. Not Which anymore. one? Not anymore. And then anyway, <laughs> the following year, the club comes back to me and SGIO, you know, want to do another ad. And I said, my, I flatly said... I'll do it as long as I. Don't, it's not the same as last year. And they said, "Yeah, no, nah, definitely not going to be anyway." Fair enough. They stitched me up again. <laughs> which which is what? Halfway through the uh, the filming of it, they told me what I had to say. And I was like, "This is yeah." Why don't tell what sweeties are used? Yeah, but what was the line for the second one? Yeah, I know exact, it. it was exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What the? You can't do that." The ironic thing was the first one. I think was the first or the second one was actually about a Collingwood supporter. Yeah, the and scooter. The, you yeah. and Juddy were painting a scooter, and then I went and played for Collingwood. So this is a bit irony for you. So uh, the second one wasn't it? Wasn't there something to do with? Or was that Coxie the Porsche and Porch thing? Yeah, that was. I think that, that was might have been the second one. Big Coxie. Yeah. So, so you had that not anymore. Yes. Yeah, so they doubled me up on the not anymore. So. Yeah, that was in the you know, my proudest TV moment, mate. But uh, <laughs> as I said, you've got to pay the bills, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> do, you <laughs> do you remember how much you got paid for that? 
No, I think it was part of my contract. SCIO so, major. Yeah, yeah, so right, it was just right. written into my contract that I had to do a certain amount of a promo for the club. So yeah, <laughs> they did well out of that. Yeah. Realistically, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, that's wasn't the much. worst job I had while I was playing. Which was what? Well, I used, when I first started, when I was a rookie, I was uh, my mates were chippies, so they'd roof chippies. So I used to work for them. So I'd train in the morning, race off, and go and uh, help them build roofs. If the club had known that, I was climbing around on houses all day. Um, you were you're on roofs. Yeah, I was a roof doing roof chipping. So yeah, I was stuffed up. It was funny. I got a funny story about that because one of my mates, there's a house when Canning Vale was first getting like all the houses, the subdivision going in there. We built a lot of houses out there, and there's a roof, there's a house. I still know exactly where it is on the corner of Ranford Road, <laughs> and uh, I got to the stage where I was pretty good at doing roof chipping, and so. They let my mates used to let me cut the roofs out, which is mean put all the trusses and everything on the benches and cut all the all the angles on them, which I did perfectly. But what I'd have done wrong is I'd put the all the bows up the wrong way. So when they put the roof up, put all the beams up and the, all the rafters up, the bow in the roof was going down. So look, like, then they put seven ton of tiles on it and it looked like it had a ski jump. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually just left it like it. Well, no, but the builder came back and said, "Boys, you've got to come fix this up." And luckily, I was at footy training when they went and fixed it. <laughs> they had to get jacks and jack it all out and prop it all. It all propped out in the end. That, but all the bows, you, when you so with the roof, you're supposed to bow it so it goes up. So when the tiles sit on it, it flattens out. Well, I bowed it the wrong way. So when the tiles went on, she bowed even more. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like someone had a ski jump in the roof. <laughs> so I could still take you to that house too. I know that, exactly where it is. That's very good. Hopefully they uh, don't have any too many leaks as they're, nah. they're sitting there watching the t- footy on a Friday night. <laughs> well, okay, well, post post career, then you finish up at Collingwood, you come back here to WA, and I always think about it. I don't know how it worked. I know my old man was one back in the day, but you were playing coach at Trinity Aquinas. Yeah, is that right? Yep. Yeah. So when I how was that? Uh, yeah. So obviously got the call from <laughs> Trinity Aquinas. Obviously, two of my, my high school and Trinity come back together and form a. Um, an amateur club which has been around about 45 years now and yeah got the call from the club to see if I was interested in coming back and playing coach and I said yeah well I really wanted to play footy that was the main thing yeah. um, so that this got me to kill two birds with one stone I got to play and coach which I never thought I'd do any coaching but obviously when I broke my leg at Collingwood I started really helping out the VFL side and doing a bit of coaching with the young blokes there and I really started to enjoy it and, and you know felt that there's something I could do so um yeah, got the call to see if I could apply for the job, and I did. And um, yeah, got to play coach, and had obviously good too. I seen Daniel Spencer help me out, but um, yeah, uh, that was a you know really enjoyed that time of my you know post footy. It really you know scratched an itch that I wanted to scratch and keep playing. And obviously hadn't played much footy the year before because of a broken leg, and um, went to a club where I had a really strong bond to. Um, and all my mates had played at, and they were starved of premierships. They'd never won a league premiership, so um, that had a real driving force before me going there. And did you win a premiership? Yeah, we did. So we played in prelim the first year. I, I had a pretty good side. I got a pretty good side together, and um, played in the prelim. The you know went out straight sets actually in the first year there. So that was um, when I got there. It was a pretty social footy club. You know, had good numbers and good representation, but they probably missed that real killer edge of you know amateur footy. Uh, is not for the faint-hearted. That's uh, you don't go back there and just think you can train for half a session a week and, and get a kick. And a lot of blokes used to come back from waffle and think that was how they could do. They could just, you know, didn't want the constraints of waffle, but thought, you know, I don't have to train very hard and I'll play good, good amateur footy. Well, yeah. it, do, it doesn't correlate. You've got to train hard and you've got to prepare yourself and you've got to be fit. So, I bring a real hard edge to the team uh, in a, in the fact that I made sure you know our training standards lifted, professionalism lifted. Um, we didn't quite get the result the first year, but we were able to win one the second year and then went on to win two in a row. So Wow. Yeah, it's pretty good fun. I mean, uh, people people wouldn't understand that insight because people 
you know, even me, I think amateur football, we just go back, have a couple of beers on a Tuesday night. So you bought the AFL mindset, maybe not, you know, you don't have the same level of support. But yeah. Well, I just made sure that blokes came to training. You have to train twice a week. and you have. It's like anything. If you want to be a successful side, an A-grade amateur is a good standard of footy. Yeah. Uh, if you, you know, everyone should know, if you want to play good footy, you can't touch the balls five times a week and then kick and get a kick on Saturday. You know, you need to be at training, you know, getting kicks and touching the ball a lot and making sure, you know, you're up to speed and, and ready to go on Saturday. And I sort of made that pretty clear to my... My boys and, and got a you know a lot of buy-in and um, you know success came on the back of it. And you're now coaching Aquinas, the PSA boys. Yeah, so yeah, so I've been there. This is my fifth season at Aquinas now. I sort of, I, I stepped away from um, Trinity Aquinas. I coached one premiership, and then the second year I, I handed the reins over and just helped. I kept playing, but I handed the reins over to my assistant, um, so I could step away and, and sort of. Uh, yeah, the family was probably calling a bit, but I still wanted to play and, and was able to play in another one. But then I gave up the card Trinity Aquinas altogether and. Um, went coach at Aquinas, so yeah, I've gone back to where it all started. Now for me, back to my old my old school, and you know it's something I love, and I love seeing my boys do well. Having a tough year this year, but um, you know, and still seeing great growth and young men, and and uh, you know, still you know, love seeing the boys pulling the black and red, and I've got a lot of passion for the school, so it drives me a long way. Might be sending our boys there, Lynch. You might have to have a come and chat to you about a backline coach, perhaps, <laughs> mate. Um, now, you got any other yeah, questions? Before for we, we're yeah. going to get to social media, um, I got to ask. So, you, you know, we sort of touched on your sort of cult status you know, as a West Coast player. Did you get to use that much around town in Perth? You know, because like, <laughs> you know, footy fans in general and, and the general population would have known of Quinton Lynch. Oh, look, I never. I wasn't. I wanted to, you know, go out into the uh, nightclubs and you know. Go up the front and say, "Do you know who I am?" That's for sure. <laughs> Lynch, you was a back corner operator, yeah, yeah. No, right? I, I from like experience, I like going out, but I would never put myself front and center at any uh, in, to get any attention. So um, I didn't use it that sort of way. Obviously, you got noticed in the street a lot, and you know it's still pretty cool now. And you get noticed, especially after being out for so long, and um, you know walking to the footy on Friday night with my little fella, and you know people yelling out at you, you know, just saying good day, and you know the little fella's eyes light up. He thinks it's pretty cool. So. Um, yeah, that's about the extent of it now. But it is still nice to be recognised. You know, it's uh, you know you're a long time retired, but um, yeah, I never I never try to take advantage of it. Put it that way. <laughs> do Do you remember the 2012 footy trip in uh, Thailand? I just remember it. Uh, <laughs> well, I'd already well, I'd already Lucky been I'd already signed I'd already signed with Collingwood then, and I sort of asked the boys and Coxie. I said, you know, can I still come and. Yeah, so Absolutely. that was my last. That was my last hurrah at the Eagles. So I made sure I went out with the bank. So I think Lynch, you might have got best on that entire trip. Yeah, we were pretty close to it until the last day. I must admit, it was a long day waiting for my flight before I went home. I was very, very <laughs> ill. <laughs> were the boys? I have memories of the boys not singing the Collingwood theme song, but the Carlton theme song. No, Did the boys cook it or were they singing the Collingwood no, theme song? No, they were singing the Collingwood theme song. In the at, at all points? Yeah, whenever they could. So, you yeah. would speak and the Collingwood <laughs> theme song would start. Someone would be DJing yeah. and they'd go speak to the people behind the booth and the Collingwood theme song would play. That's what I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, that was pretty right spot on there, mate. How'd that I me? Mean, I feel like... Is that, were you just like, okay, fair enough, I'm done. Yeah, well, I was done then, so it didn't matter. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lynchy yeah. was a, was a back corner operator at yep. all points, footy trips, nightclubs, wherever. Would find a suitable pla- place oh, to put his elbow, like and then you wouldn't. You, you, where's Lynchy? He's never moved. <laughs> Get him a beer. He's still there. Dance floor <laughs> was never an option. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever hit the dance floor? Very. Well, it had to be a very special occasion, mate. <laughs> Social media now, Lynchy. This is a big, big segment. I know that's why you're here. I know you know a lot about it. Um, you told me a lot about it before. This is where. 
the people, our audience, get to ask you the questions. You've heard enough from Dan and I. This is coming direct from our audience, Lynchy. Are you ready? Not really, but yep, far okay. away. Prox underscore. Uh, it says, big fan of Quinton. Are you still coaching local footy? Or we sort of talked about that. Uh, do you have any aspirations for getting involved in coaching Waffle or AFL? Yeah, not at this stage. No, I'm really happy where I'm coaching in the corners at the moment. I really enjoy that job. Um, obviously, my young boat's going to corners at the moment. So, yeah, at the moment, uh, I always thought that... Um, I'm not really interested in going to an AFL club and getting my head cut off after <laughs> two years or something. So it's pretty brutal out there, eh? We all, you know, everyone sees it's a pretty brutal environment. But, um, no, very happy where I am. You keep in touch with old teammates of the coaching? Coxie comes to mind? Yeah, still keep in touch with Coxie uh, a fair bit, yeah. And um, the one I'm really happy for is Jamie Graham. I reckon he's doing really well. And um, Ash Hansen, another one? Yeah, Ash, yeah. yeah. Both those blokes have coached senior footy this year. So I um, haven't spoke to Ash for a while, but uh, hopefully we'll catch up there in the, the year when I'm over in Melbourne. But, you know, some boys doing some really good things out there, which is great to see. Um, look, I don't know what this means. Maybe this means nothing, Lynchy, but Tim J. Woods, 27. Uh, Q-Stick, do you like Dim Sims? <laughs> Not that I know of. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I thought there might have been an in joke there. Not at nah, all. I don't know so it's a yes one. or a no for Dim Sims. No Dim Sims. What about Philadelphia Fishers? What are they? Uh, yeah, that's exact. That's the right answer. Thanks, Quinton. Okay. Um, Super Tramp underscore Bryce. Um, g'day, lads. I'm keen to hear one of Quinton's best stories about growing up with Kerry. Curry. That's Curry. Daniel oh, Curry. Oh, Curry. It's Curry. Yeah, it is Curry. <laughs> oh, I can tell you funny he's, when, when he first he's looking came, for a PG right nah, here, huh? yeah, No, nah, I'm going to go back early days in school um, when, when he first came to Aquinas He was uh, He would have weighed 50 kilos He was tiny He was a little Little, little fella And uh, obviously everyone It was misconceived That Ab- Daniel was an Aboriginal Of Aboriginal in, in Indigenous descent But he's not He's Indian He's from Indian descent And uh, um, there wasn't too many Indian kids at Aquinas in year eight, that's for sure. But there was one other kid that was uh, for Sri Lankan. So Daniel, when he first came to school, felt a little bit out of place. So he sided up with the other kid from Sri Lanka and just told him he was Sri Lankan so he'd fit in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until the cricket or something came on and then, um, and uh, they worked out. Daniel had to you know, confess to this other kid. He goes, no, nah, I'm not even Sri Lankan. I'm actually Indian. <laughs> so that to, was pretty funny. To keep going on that, remember he got named in the Indigenous... Indi- yeah, and he was supposed to boil. On their on their um, on their flyer for the AFLPA, and he had to say, "Guys, I'm I'm not Aboriginal. I'm Indian." Wow. So he got picked in like a 2010 or 11 yeah, it was, team. Of the it was pretty bad by the AFL, really. Shit. When you yeah. think back at it, so yeah, that's one funny story. Very good. DX Ham one three zero eight. Bit of a long one here. Uh, g'day, the Glove Governor. Can you re- uh, recollect your thoughts back to the time you went through a phase or period during your footy career where you used to go? Um, and fine dine, then you'd write up a blog or review about the place. <laughs> Gee whiz. Can you elaborate on how that came about? And was it only you that did it, or was there other identities that played alongside you that joined the phase? Uh, Hashtag not anymore. Uh, oh, I've got no idea where that came from. Some oh, I actually can't remember, but, yeah, they taught us, taught us yeah, I'd take the, the wife out and try and do a food review, which is probably not my strongest Are you a foodie? Or? No. Well, you I'm, like eating. I used to love cooking. I, 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 I love cooking, but, yeah, I, don't, I can't remember where that came about and I can guarantee you I, I got the wife to write the post because I, <laughs> my, my English skills are very limited. <laughs> that's good. Geez, that's a long time yeah, ago. See, that's why I like these, Lynchy. They come good out of left some free field. meals, I guess. Uh, live underscore Flora. Uh, I have great memories as a kid of my dad yelling, Lynchy, at the TV every time Quinton kicked a goal. Fan favourite in our household because he is from our little town of Esperance. Uh, Lynchy, who is your closest friend at the club and what, what is your best local football memory playing at uh, Gibbo FC? Okay, uh, I'll, I'll do the Gibbo thing first. I, I, 
so obviously being from the bush, we moved to um, Grasspatch or over near Gibson when I was uh, 14, 15. So I never got to play senior league senior footy where I played all my junior footy at Boxwood Hills, which is where I grew up till I was 15. So the only league – I played reserves for Boxwood, but the only league country game I ever played was for Gibson uh, and it was out at Condonup. Um, and uh, they usually not didn't let me play because I couldn't train on a Friday night, but the full forward pulled out. And I reckon he only um, – Wade Montgomery, I'll mention his name because I remember him well. Uh, I reckon – and he was a very good footballer in his own right. Uh, I reckon he only pulled out and said he had his tight hamstring so he, he could let – they would play me because he really wanted me to play a game. <laughs> wow. Um, so – and I ended up kicking nine for him. So that was uh, well worth it. <laughs> well so done. Thanks, Wade. And I actually ran into small – funny because I ran into his brother the other day. But um, – so that's my memory of – Footy at, uh, at uh, Gibson, um, the one league game in the country I played. Wow. Um, uh, and my best mate was still it was probably Curie at the footy club because obviously, uh, as, as everyone's heard throughout the podcast, I um, you know we started at school together in year seven and we played a lot of footy together. And um, you know, obviously, very sad where he's at now, but it's you know I still try and you know keep in touch with him and so forth. You um you had a, you had some great teammates over that time, like some of the greats of all time to play for West Coast. Embers, yeah. Coxie, Curry, Judd, Braun, um, Waters, Glass, Cuzzy. Yeah, no, it was a pretty special time at the footy club. And, you know, there's still a pretty strong bond between a lot of us too. So it's good and, um, you know, catch up when we can. And, uh, you know, such great memories made through those times. It's such a big part of your life. So you've got to try and hang on to that stuff because, you know, it's, you, you can't forget that it's, you know, such an important period of your life. What was that reunion like, 26 hours? I watched the... You know the thirty-year reunion for the '92 boys. What was 2016 like? It was pretty subdued. There's still a bit going on back then, uh, so the club sort of yeah, it was pretty low key. Uh, let's hope our next one's a bit more. We can put probably put ourselves out in the public eye a bit more. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, well, what are we? It's, you know, we be here before we know it. You know, twenty-year one. So um, you got four years. Four years. Later. Yes, it, but uh, it was it was nice to see everyone. It was, as I said, it was we had a pretty. Pretty intimate little catch up, and it was good. It was good to see everyone, but um, yeah, no doubt in twenty years, hopefully in the twenty year on, we'll be able to be back in the public eye. <laughs> hopefully, everyone will be here. And yeah, well, touch wood. Yes, yeah. correct. Saxon underscore soundest two to go, Lynchy. Uh, do you have the largest hamstrings of all time? <laughs> no, nah, I bunk Shannon Hearn's got me covered easy. Easy. You two used to go head to head with the bench press. Yeah, that who, and the leg, that and the leg press. We were always pretty. Pretty touch and go, but no. Who had each other covered? No, we were, it was pretty close for a long time. He's got to remember, he's 10 years younger than me too, so not, go, quite, yeah, not yeah. quite 10, probably <laughs> six. <laughs> <laughs> but he always looked 10 years older, so that's all right. You got him. I, rem- I reckon you got him because he, he didn't used to get angry about much, Bungo, but he used to come out after testing time at the gym, a bit angry because he used to get him, I reckon. Yeah, I, <laughs> got, him, I got him most of the time. Well, yeah. I'm going to take the cake there. Very good. Uh, last one, Henry Stevens, 17. Uh, I'm interested in this one. <clears throat> Quinton in Latin means fifth. Does Quinton have four older siblings or is his name a lie? No, nah, correct. I've got four older sisters. Wow. I'm the fifth and then I've got a brother. So and he's, well done. Is that where Quinton – is that uh, – I don't actually know. I, I have think, to ask the Yeah, I think mum must have thought about it somehow. She, yeah. So, But it was – yeah, I'm definitely the fifth child. No, yeah, four older sisters as I said. So. And to finish, what's uh, – you've got some nicknames. Q-Stick, the, the big Q – the big unit, apparently TBU. These are any favourites or just just Lynchy? Uh, look, my favourite ones the one I call my son now, but it's n- it's nothing to do with footy. I as as a kid, I was always so my brothers and sisters always know I'm known as Spud. So um, so I call my young bloke Spud now as well. Um, Why? 
Well, mine was because I was so fat and I just looked like a potato. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was when I like. Honestly, I couldn't crawl because my guts were so big I'd drag on the ground. So just <laughs> my dad would have to hold my belly up to teach me to crawl because I was too <laughs> fat. <laughs> but I gave, I gave it to my son because he had such a massive head. He couldn't walk because his head was so big. So he'd, fall, <laughs> he'd fall over. So he'd crawl all right. Top so heavy. He, he was too top. He was too top heavy. So he didn't walk for about 16 months because his neck got strong enough to carry his head. So he'll hate me telling everyone that. Everyone tell me that. But, so he got oh, spud. spud. I, now I nickname him Spud. So he's, how, how old is your son now? Uh, he's 10. He's, right. he's the middle one. Unreal. So. Um, mate, that's done and dusty. Have fun. It's been good. Yeah, it's been good. good. There Always we go. Good reminisce. Correct. Quinton Lynch, back chat. Thanks to our sponsors, Bluebet, Margaret River Roasting Co., Whippersnapper Distillery, Shelter Brewing Company. They look after us. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's Wednesday night. Beers with back chat tomorrow. No, no, no. It's happened. Beers with back chat's happened. <laughs> it's happened. It's happened. No, we don't have to. This is we're recording this before Beers with back chat. I hope you had a good night. By the way, uh, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, find us by searching back chat. You can find us on Instagram back chat double underscore. Uh, we've got a website backchatpodcast.com.au. Send us an email at hello at backchatpodcast. .com.au. You impressed with that, Lynchy? I've just spat all that out. It's a very good memory, Will. Very good. Um, And you might be able to find Lynchy over there too. That's it. Done dusted. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.